Now, welcome to much worse radio than KQED. Yeah, for real. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is not going to be great, but, you know, that's <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, we're going over 10 decades of film, one movie for, per decade. Uh, there's not really any, like, specifics for why we chose the movies we chose. Mostly, they're really good. They're, for the most part, pretty well-known, and we wanted to talk about them yeah, and watch the them. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, and starting that off, coming from the 1930s? 30s, I believe, I yeah. I think 36? I don't remember the exact um, date. We are watching Charlie Chaplin's silent film classic, silent-ish film classic, <laughs> Modern Times. Written and directed by Charlie Chaplin, and also music and, by Charlie Chaplin. And starring Charlie Chaplin. And tra- starring Charlie Chaplin. Dude was crazy talented, and also a giant piece of shit. Um, Unsurprising. Yeah, uh, 1930s had some some issues, but just at the beginning we do want to address that Charlie Chaplin did some pretty awful things with some young women. Legit. Dude sucked. But he was really talented, and he made a lot of movies that had a lot of serious social commentary in a time that we don't really think of having as much social commentary about, like, the working people and people mm-hmm. who didn't have a voice and fought for a voice. And now, like, we're talking about, especially in, like, Midwest, South, there's a lot of working class people who follow these supposedly old-fashioned values that ignore the fact that for a long time, the people who were fighting to unionize and have businesses were trying really hard to take power away from people who had all the money. Yeah. And now there's this weird billionaire worship thing going on. And it, like, I don't know, I think it's really interesting that this movie came out almost a century ago. And it's the sa- it's <laughs> yeah. talking about the same shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. People want to talk about the past without actually paying attention to what people were upset about. Yeah. Um, when this movie shows, like, there's clear, you know, issues that have always been existent with the labor force, right? Yeah. And that's, like, something that's been persistent. Like, this movie's, like, super critical. Like, oh, yeah. Super social also, commentary. Also, fucking hilarious. Oh, very fun. So fucking funny. The, the dude's master like, of physical comedy. Bad person, master of physical like, comedy. Like, yeah, we, we've established. Guy sucks. We, we want to talk about this movie and what he does really well, what he sets up. It is a movie about... Uh, a character that Charlie Chaplin played for a long time in many different movies called The Tramp, and he gets fired from a factory and meets a young girl who is living on the streets, and they fall in love, and they try to find a life together in this modern, money-centric In these city. modern times. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, actually, no, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's about... <laughs> it's about finding joy in a place that is all about sucking all of your life and energy away to make money for other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie is interesting because talking about it, it doesn't really have a narrative in the sense. It's more of like a collection of short films yeah. or scenes and sequences. I specifically wrote in my notes when watching the movie, I said, Modern Times, a movie about a man who gets arrested four different times in the span of an hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, is there, is there anything specific you want to talk about with, like, the beginning, early parts of this movie? I think generally, like, one of the things this movie also does is it's very much examples of, like, the studio lot, right? Mm, you mm-hmm, can tell that mm-hmm. most of, if not all of this movie, was shot in, like, I don't know which studio did it. Was it, like, um, I think... I'm I, not sure. RKO, maybe? Yeah, it, it is RKO. It's studio lot. It's very much filmed on those. You can tell because like the sets are their sets. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, the set design in oh, some of these scenes is fucking yeah. awesome. Every the time you see like and the, that's what like, I was thinking. Like, yeah, holy shit, dude! When you um, see like Charlie Chaplin like going through the gears, oh it's my god, wild. it's crazy. It's cra- yeah, I have the gear scene in my notes. 
Um, I also think it's really fascinating. The opening of this movie is Charlie Chaplin's working in a factory and he's like screwing on bolts. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's doing this very specific hand motion. And it's very similar to if you've ever seen the, um, the I Love Lucy scene where she's trying to um, wrap the chocolates or take the chocolates off. I don't think I've seen Oh that. my god. It's really famous and it's really fucking funny. Mm. Um, I'm sure a few people who are listening have talked to have heard of it. But it's the scene where there's a line of chocolates and she's trying to go through all of them. Uh, and I forget what it is, but it, it keeps speeding up. And she keeps getting more and more desperate. And she ends up just eating a bunch of the chocolates just trying to keep <laughs> things together. Nice. Um, and this scene very much reminds me of that. Because he's unscrewing these bolts on... Or he's screwing on these bolts on a conveyor belt followed by two guys behind him. And there's a lot of opening shenanigans about that. But I think is really interesting is this movie is exists so much before automation. Mm-hmm. That like all of those little things were done by like one guy. Yeah, like a dude. Um, and they probably weren't done like that. <laughs> no, they were almost definitely like, not just... Because <laughs> I have no idea what they were doing exactly and what it was for or anything like yeah. that. But it doesn't really matter. It's like, that was the norm. It's just a guy with two wrenches screwing these things over and over. And yeah. how, because of how factories and automation worked, that became less and less necessary. And watching it now, it's like, it's crazy that anyone ever did that. Yeah. Um... Also, the shit with all of the bolts is so fucking funny. Oh, it's, it's great. I mean, like, I, I find it so funny. Like, every single woman has hexagon-shaped <laughs> buttons. Yeah, no, there's, like, a very obvious allegory for... I don't know what it would be. Uh, something. Like, yeah, it would be like... It would be really uncomfortable if you thought about it for too long. Yeah. But the idea of it is be- he becomes so obsessed with screwing on these bolts, or, like, his his mind breaks where it's the only thing that he can do, that anything bolt-shaped is like he suddenly wants him to, to screw. So there's two different sets of women who have, like, buttons on their clothes that are hexagonal. One of them's on, like, her back. It's her ass, pretty much. And he's trying to screw on her ass, and he's chasing her around with a wrench. <laughs> She's terrified. And then he's outside, obsessively trying to screw on a fire hydrant. Yeah. When a woman comes up with buttons on the front of her shirt, exactly where her nipples are. Yeah. And he just starts menacingly running at her. With, with these, these wrenches, wrenches. that he's, like, he's twisting like, them. Yeah, he's twi- it's oh like, I mean, it's so, like kind of raunchy right like oh absolutely um this movie will have come out by the time this comes out but like babylon <laughs> is a movie about that's what i kept thinking yeah. about right like, yeah, it's about era. silent film era a little bit after this the whole opening scene is like probably 20 minutes long mm-hmm. this guy in the factory and i want to come back to that for the food scene oh but yeah. like the first time we see the love interest she's got a knife in her teeth and she's like staring like an insane woman, throwing bananas up to these kids that she's stealing from. Uh, and she's like taking joy in it. She's literally like, yeah. she, she looks like a fucking swashbuckling pirate or something. <laughs> she like looks crazy. And it's, um, I, I think that's so interesting because you couldn't do that. Yeah. Like there was, there was a point afterwards. And obviously they fall into some pretty serious gender norms later in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. They, um, if people wanted to tell a story, they were going to find a way to get like their thing going. Yeah, yeah. Um, but watch Babylon because you can see a lot of the behind the scenes of like just how fucking chaotic. And yeah. it's, it's, it's overdone. Insanity. Well, yeah, but it's, it's, a, like, it's an exaggeration of what was though. Yeah, like, it, yeah. Is, it, is, it is set to an insane level for dramatic effect. But yeah. it is factual that like shit got crazy back then and there was not a lot of rules of what happened on sets, which is also kind of a bad thing. 
No, no, no. It's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. thing. A man died. He got got stabbed by a (laughs) pole. He died. He died. Guys, Um, watch that movie. It's so good. Um, Just to, like, accentuate the excellence of Charlie Chaplin's physical comedy, there's... And its combination with social commentary. Mm -hmm. There's an opening scene where uh, this guy has a food, a feeding machine, that they want to attach to... um, the like conveyor workers, belts, yeah, so that they're eating while they work and they don't have to stop working. Mm-hmm. And that, as a concept, is fucking terrifying. But also, it's one of the funniest scenes in the goddamn oh, yeah. movie because it starts malfunctioning and it's just like a death machine that Charlie Chaplin strapped into, He's like splashing like, soup on his it's chest. Splashing, it's like drilling his face with corn. It's like shoving <laughs> nuts into the back of his throat. <laughs> well, yeah, there's like. Because that's the other thing. It's, there's so much about placement mm-hmm. with his movies. There's um, a food pusher on this feeding machine that's like a little prong that pushes food into your mouth and holds the plate up. Um, and the guy who's trying to fix the machine puts some bolts up on the plate. He doesn't realize it's on the plate. And when the plate comes up, it just shoves giant metal like washers in his mouth. Yeah. And like it's hard to explain how funny this is secondhand because it is all about timing it is like mm-hmm. this fucking ridiculous shit happening at like a hyper speed and the physicality and the way he moves and walks mm-hmm. uh it's all it's all incredibly specific yeah is there anything else you want to add before this like opening sequence any um the music there's this one uh theme the this like uh not necessarily light motif because it's not it's more of just a theme right uh it's like I forget exactly what it sounds like, but it's this very... It's contrasting to everything else in the movie because everything with the girl is all violence because that's how women are in film, right? You know, stringed instruments. You have the tramp is represented by this, like, oboe, like... You know, that one thing. Uh, and then you have industry all of a sudden happens. It's just brass. It's insane. And it, like, blasts you in the face. And that theme is going consistent throughout that entire section, which is, like, the only real instance of, like... You like a thematic style of music that you could see in this from like Charlie Chaplin. I did not know he composed the music to his own movies. Like I'm that's, not surprised. The dude was like. It makes sense. Yeah, he was he was crazy. Talented. Yeah, and he times it like very well. It's almost in a way like it feels like you're watching like an opera without the voice. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah, you know? it is. Uh, like, it's so interesting to see where films started. Yeah. And there was no talking at all. Yeah. The only things you had to utilize was music and physicality and like minor sound effects and facial expressions. Yeah, exactly. Compared to theater where like the voice is probably the most powerful thing you can have on stage. Absolutely. Like musicals obviously, but regular well, even theater, theater yeah, yeah. is like you need to have a strong voice. The like Viola Davis, big star in Hollywood. You can see why she's so big on stage, too. She did Fences on Broadway. Broadway, right? Was it? I think she did. Well, she did the movie. I no, know she, I know she did the stage play. Because we oh, saw the she? scene. We watched oh, it we totally did. Yeah. We totally um, did. She did it with fucking James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Like, fuck yeah. That's so um, good. But she, she did it on stage. I, don't, I can't remember if it was on Broadway or not. Yeah. Um, and you can tell where she gets her voice from. And it's because you need to be a person who, like... Everyone in the back can see. You need to be heard. And film starts off with, like, you don't have any of that. Yeah. All you have is your body. So we start with these big, 
over-the-top comedies of these people just being so physically... Or those are the ones that stick out to me the most. Yeah, well, you got Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, you know, all those guys. Buster Keaton. Legend. Also fucking incredible. Legend. Almost died multiple times on camera. Just casually, too. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, like... I know, he never bats an eye. Like, a building collapses and he's in the window. It doesn't crush him. He's just like, yep. The most... Tuesday. One of the most famous and, like, recreated scenes ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, people probably think, hear that and they're like, oh, like, Jackie Chan? Yeah. I mean, Um, Jackie Chan, his, like, hero was Buster Keaton. Yeah, because... Yeah, Jackie Chan is doing Buster Keaton. And Jackie Chan is awesome. Oh, he's great. Like, fucking phenomenal physical performance. Yeah. One of the greatest. Well, but it's good to know, like, where things came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buster Keaton is like the setup for all of that. It's this probably like every stuntman. N- definitely has just yeah. watched Buster Keaton's reels over and they over must. and over. You again. have to. Like he's yeah. he's such a staple. He like He created stunts practically. Yeah. One of the most dangerous ones he did was on that fucking on that train. train where he yeah. like takes the log and Yeah, it was crazy. Um yeah. and that's that's what I think is so interesting about this movie is how it tells its story and how it like over-the-top physicality is the only thing you have. We both come from theater backgrounds. That's yeah. what we learned. We like dialogue. We like... <laughs> we do. No, we do. You're, not, um, you're, right, you're right. We like... I, I say this a lot. Any movie and any play, which is just two people in a room yelling at each other, I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. You got me. <laughs> Banshees have been sheared. You Hell son, yeah. You son of it. a bitch. I mean. No, like, literally. Yeah. Like, um, that's just the opening scene. It's just... Like, this serious physical comedy. Yeah. And then, the dude gets arrested, or yep. I guess gets sent to a mental hospital. Yeah. And, and then it's just like, after coming over his panic attack, he's ready to re-enter society. But he doesn't have a job. Yeah. And then the first thing that we see happens, he gets let out into the real world. He's walking down the street, and a flag falls <laughs> off the back of a truck. This is literally the first thing that happened. He picks up the flag, and he starts waving it to, like, call and be like, hey. You hey, dropped your flag, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then behind him, a whole fucking protest comes around the street until he's just leading the protest yeah, with the flag. Yeah, this, like, labor union yeah, protest. Yeah. And then it gets broken up by the cops. They see him waving the flag, and they're like, you must be You're the, the leader. You're the leader. <laughs> yeah. Arrested. You're the head of this whole thing. And he gets arrested, and he immediately goes back to jail. Like, yeah. 30 seconds later. Or no, um, to jail in the first place, because he went to, like, Oh, right, hospital. he went to a mental hospital yeah. first. And he immediately goes, gets no longer free. How about that? Yeah, no longer. Um, this movie's all about just intervals in between him being imprisoned. Or yeah, um, and then the next note I have leading into that is uh, cocaine salt. Oh my god, dude. I wasn't ready. So, <laughs> like, I didn't expect Coke to be in this movie. Yeah, it's like, wild. well, I mean, it's, they never say it's Coke, but goddammit, no, that's fucking Coke. cocaine. No, it's Coke. Yeah, that is um, Coke. Like, if it was anything else, I'd be shocked. But yeah, he gets arrested and he gets put in jail with a, you know, a big tough guy as his roommate, who's also crocheting. Yeah, or, yeah. And I, I like, thought there was gonna be a whole thing where he's like this lovable, like big guy, but no, no. He, he does feel the stereotype of like angry big dude. He just happens I, to be I think, that's, I think that's like fascinating. Yeah, I mean, this is probably pre a lot of the like, oh, big guy is actually feminine with a big guy named Tiny. Yeah, yeah. It's like just a dude who's who really just, fucking mean and an absolute piece of shit criminal and just enjoys who likes crochet. crochet. Yeah, it's great. Like that, and that's something that like this is pre. The setting up of a lot of those tropes. And now those tropes would come in soon. Yeah. The like, next movie we talk about is going to set up a lot of tropes. 
for like yeah. romance movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also, fucking great romance movies. I know. I'm just saying, like, like if we're talking about tropes, we're looking at Casablanca also, next, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Casablanca, great fucking movie. Um, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. It's going to be great. Uh, but this movie right now, like, I think probably one of the first times that trope really comes to mind, and this is like one of the things which is like, the trope is based off of a legitimately complex thing or character mm-hmm. of mice and men. Mm. Have you? Do you know anything about it? No. That's the problem. I know. I know. I've been told. Like, like I know. Damn, I, bro. I made I made it through high school without reading of Mice and Men. It's I wild. Watch it too, though. Like, it, it, well, I should reading it is yeah. like part of the. Yeah, the I don't think I've ever read it passage. all the way through. Mm-hmm. But like, no. The, but the the one of the main characters. You got Lenny. Yeah. You got Kravitz. No. God, <laughs> come on, dude. Um, but yeah, you, like, he is a big, extremely strong character who hurts everything he touches, is the main idea of it. And he's a really complex and tragic character, and I think his, he's probably the groundwork of what eventually would become, like, the big guy who's actually a sweetheart. Um, Yeah, the dude from Paddington. Yeah, Yeah. uh, just generally, you know, those kinds of characters. Yeah, there's a ton. Um, yeah, you get a bunch of them. Kind of the same way the One Ring sets up a lot of, like, fantasy and sci-fi MacGuffins. Yeah. When, like, the ring itself is, like, a really complex and dark It just cr- and, like, it created tragic. this magic instrument that you yeah. need to have. Yeah, yeah. And except for, like, the magic instrument had... It wasn't just vaguely magical. Yeah, it, it was, was, like, a, darkly magical. It was a corrupting force yeah. in a way that was, like snake-like and venomous and like destroyed people's lives and had a whole history it's you know yeah, exactly it's it's it happens a lot um, this exists before a lot of that a lot of the setting of those archetypes now the lovable tramp is this absolutely charlie lovable. chaplin yeah. yeah charlie chaplin set that up yeah. um probably steve martin takes a lot from that charlie chaplin like he he's much more dialogue heavy but movies like the jerk yeah um which is more of like a dumbass but yeah. Still, I like, mean, well, that's still the tramp, right? Yeah, because the tramp's yeah. an idiot. Um, that's kind of one of his things. Yeah, he's 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 incompetent. He's, he's incompetent. Yeah, the, yeah, entirely. And player. entirely unaware. Yeah. You gotta talk about the roller skating scene. Oh, we'll get there. Because we'll uh, do you know how it was done? Yeah, I know. I've seen the corridor okay. video. Come oh, on. Oh, right. It's in corridor. Yeah. That's fucking. Oh, yeah, I it's love excellent. that scene. I watched that scene as a kid. I was like. Hmm. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> uh, we were talking about archetypes. Yeah, yeah. But where, where was the last part? Oh, right. So, back to cocaine salt. Back to cocaine <laughs> What a um, sentence, dude. Well, I know. Well, it's so funny to me because it is like a, a man sets up his own demise. Um, there's the the big, like, the when he's in prison, um, they're having lunch. And... <laughs> One of the criminals, who's this ratty-looking motherfucker, dude oh, yeah. looks like dude looks like the rat from um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. If he oh, was he a real totally person, does. Um, and they're going to arrest him, and he's realized he's about to be like taken somewhere else or interrogated and searched. So he takes the cocaine he somehow has pocketed, pours it into the salt shaker, and then leaves. And we obviously know what's going to happen. Yeah, next. you can tell immediately. <laughs> but what's so funny is that you see Charlie Chaplin grab the salt and he just goes, he like slams he into it. it. He's shaking it so much and you're like, oh God. And he like wipes oh, his nose afterwards yeah. and there's like cocaine dribbling down his Hitler stash. <laughs> um, and he's just fucking, he eats it. 
I mean, his physicality is so good. Oh, it's great. And then um, he becomes like super, he like takes the loaf of bread from like the tough guy next to him. Yeah, he's like, he becomes, he becomes like more aggressive and stuff. <laughs> and this ends with, <laughs> he accidentally misses going into his cell. Like he wants to go back, but he just turns around and walks out yeah. into the yard because he's so fucking coked up. And when he comes back in, the cell's locked. And then three guys are trying sure. to to uh, hold a breakout by holding the sheriff at gunpoint. <laughs> so he comes back out, starts throwing punches. He like and throws he's a door into dude, a guy. No, he's so high on cocaine that he can somehow dodge. dodge well, yeah, he's like, like he's doing like a boxing him. stance and he's like moving his head and stuff. The guy's just shooting at him, and then he beats the crap out of these three dudes and sets the. Sets the prisoners th- free. Or no, sets the, the warden free. Yeah, the warden free. Not the prisoners. That would be... <laughs> that, would be a, that would be kind of a wild movie. Uh, yeah, it would. Um, <laughs> and they put him back in jail, but now he's like really comfortable. They're giving him yeah. nice blankets and pillows. He's <laughs> like super... Ni- well, notice how like there's like social commentary about how yeah. like inside the prison is nicer than like having to live in the working world. Yeah, it's like, well, you have a guaranteed place to live. You have three meals a food, day, yeah. Exercise, um, you have your own space, like all of that. Yeah, all of and these then as soon as he's like thrust back out in the world, he's lost. Yeah, you know? he's, he's got nowhere and to go. He wants to go back. He keeps trying yeah. to get himself arrested. He tries to, um, yeah. They they pardon him and they give him a note that are like this letter will give you a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first job he gets is at a shipyard. Yeah, and literally <laughs> within thirty seconds, someone's like, "Hey, go grab a plank of wood." So what he does is he grabs a hammer and he hammers out a wedge that's holding the whole fucking boat together. Yeah. <laughs> so it just slides into the ocean. Well, that's where you get like a cool technical thing because that's a rear projection. I don't know if you noticed. No. What is- so a rear projection is what they did before green screen, right? Mm-hmm. Which is where basically, and it's kind of what they're doing for the Mandalorian now. Like it's mm-hmm. weird that we've kind of reverted back to old oh, technology, yeah, yeah. but just upgraded that old technology. What they did is... Charlie Chaplin, because they wouldn't actually be able to get him, his footage of him as a boat slides into the ocean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They just get the footage of the boat sliding into the ocean, project it onto like a theater screen, and mm-hmm. then have Charlie Chaplin stand in front of it. Right, right, and right. And then so you get like him like looking at this theater screen as if it's in real life. And he's yeah, like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Do you get that a lot in James Bond? It's everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that the car scene in Doctor yeah, No, where yeah. like yeah. <laughs> the background is moving <laughs> like wildly behind it. Those early Bond films. Oh, they're great. I, uh, Doctor No is boring as shit. It's re- it has one good line. It's when he's like sitting in the chair. He's like. Your gun has like this many bullets <laughs> in it, and you've had your six. And then he shoots the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Great. That's. I remember when we first watched that movie. You were constantly like, and, and you've had, had your, your six. six, and you've had your six. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even joking. It was like for like a month. <laughs> I know. I was just like, and you've had your six. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I didn't notice. So that's like. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of really impressive. Um. I, I think. I think this is something that I think in general, all great storytelling. Is really deceptive. Yeah. It's just finding ways to you, trick the human brain. Yeah. Well, you got to trick them into thinking this is real. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, get them so engaged that they don't care whether it's real or not. Yeah. Um, like, There's already, like, a distance of, like, what is it? The Like, when you, when you watch a musical, I forget the exact term, but, like, you distance yourself from it enough because you understand, like, oh, this isn't real life. They're singing. Yeah. It's like, it's like the Uncanny Valley, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to you wanna get yourself out of there, either forward or back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, there's, there's like a point where it's just realistic enough that it feels unrealistic. Yeah. Um, mm. Well, we're talking like it's that, but story. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like a book. 
basics is, you know this is not happening, but someone's writing so good that you believe it is. Yeah, that you feel um, it. It's yeah. just it's just letters on yeah. a page. And I, you know, I think the best way to like get good at whatever storytelling art form you want to do, whether it's like making movies, comics, books, TV shows, whatever, is to study all of them. Oh yeah, like look at video games. Just like storytelling. Like video games is kind of storytelling, but kind of not. Mm-hmm. But if you study like game design and how all of it is just set up to get you to do certain things subtly mm-hmm. because you have so much control over it to like make you want to do this and make you have to do that mm-hmm. to play the way they want you to play to have fun exactly. is immensely helpful to understanding, oh, right, I need to get the audience to see things the way I want to see them. I can't let them choose the path to go down mm-hmm. or choose the whatever they think is real unless I've set up enough where ambiguity is the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's very interesting. And even early movies like this had to become with like ridiculously creative decisions, like mm-hmm. the use of matte paintings. Oh yeah. That's we'll we'll talk about it later. We'll, we'll get we'll talk to the about it later. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, but if you're talking matte paintings, Star Wars, that whole movie's a matte painting. Yeah. And. Matte paintings are dope. They're great. I love them. I, I wish I, 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 yeah, I know. I want to use them more. Like, I know. I mean, it's easier to just do because, well, like the way CG works is it's a digital matte painting. I know. It's the same diff. But like, there's something so like cool about a matte painting. Yeah, like the thing about the thing about a matte painting is you kind of need to have a person who's like, you need to have a good ass artist. Is what yeah, you need. yeah, yeah, it, and or like a personal unique styling yeah. to it. So, um, if you don't know what a matte painting is, a matte painting is essentially. If you need a background or a foreground object that doesn't exist in the real life, whereas now you digitally make it and you put it over the footage, mm-hmm. back then you would get a painter and you'd have a glass pane. You'd paint over the glass pane to cover up the places of like territory you want covered and you just line it up in front of the camera so it seamlessly blends from the real life camera footage into this painting. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's very cool. Yeah. Uh... Um, so he like meets a girl eventually she like runs away from juvie right yeah uh what happens is it's actually really fucking sad she, her dad is unemployed oh, yeah and then he and dies he's protesting yeah. and he just gets fucking shot and dies yeah in the middle of the street you're like damn and then the three kids she has two sisters who she entirely fucking forgets about oh yeah she just after they them. disappear it's yeah. like fucked up but they all get sent into um not juvie uh like the, I guess Juvie at the time, but you know. Juvie at the time, but the like they're orphans. They're or- yeah, 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 they're orphans. And then she, Which does mean that she is under 18. Or yeah. she is, however, she's young. She is not legally a child. an adult yet. Um, he, and Charlie Chaplin's like old. At this he's point. like 40, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. This, is, this is later in his career. Uh, Moving she, on. Yeah, <laughs> it's, <that's, laughs> it's, just, it's just what it is. Yeah. It sucks. Um, it's nasty. There's research yeah. you can do on it. He was not a good person. Yeah, we don't we don't need to get into it. Um, but she she runs off. She's like, "Hey, yo, fuck the police!" <laughs> <laughs> and disappears. Mostly because they're really bad at their job. I know like, they just look down. She walks away, and then like they come back, and they're like, "Yo, competent." Yeah. Um, it, well, again, social social commentary. Cops uh, are not useful right yeah, like yeah that's yeah. like charlie chaplin hates cops clearly because like they're all idiots in this movie. yeah and, well yeah because he he tries to get arrested yeah and multiple they, times and fails yeah like the cops are so bad at their job that they can't arrest someone who's trying to go to jail mm-hmm. 
Um, and, the, and the best part is he um, the the way they meet is she tries to steal a loaf of bread. Yeah. And she runs off, bumps into him, and she gets caught. But then he's like, "No, she didn't steal that bread. I did." Because he wants to get arrested. Yeah. He's like, why, why, why doesn't um, he get arrested there? I forget. Uh, because the the woman that saw uh, the girl steal the loaf of bread mm-hmm. says to the baker, like, wait, what? he's lying. It was her that stole the bread. I saw it with my own eyes. So then the baker runs to the police officer and says, like, hey, he lied. He didn't steal a loaf of bread. She did. <laughs> and then so the cop's like, okay, and just leaves the tramp in the middle of the street as he goes back to arrest the girl. Right, right, right. Um, and then, well, he's like, well, that didn't work. So you know what I'm going to do? Was it, was it a women-specific cafeteria? Or no, was it just, it was, it was... no, it was just the fact that it was a cafe and he just didn't pay. Yeah, he eats like a whole shit ton of food. He goes up to the guy. He calls the cop in. He's like, Ayo, come here. Um, <laughs> he brings him in. And he just shows him that he's not going to pay and gets arrested. Yeah. And oh, while, while, we're, while we're on that, the fucking, there were signs in the food cafeteria. Mm-hmm. It was a hot homemade tamale for 25 cents. I mean, like, I know that's a lot more okay. money back then, okay. but I would kill for There's, that. Okay, but the tamale definitely sucked. Sure, but it was also a bottle of beer for for 15 cents. Like, I'm just saying. True. I know it's different because, like, inflation. Yeah. But, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Charlie Chaplin, in that feast he had, probably spent, like, five bucks. Yeah, it's fucking, you know, it's fucking crazy. But he gets arrested, and then while he's getting, like, while the cop is on the phone, he goes to a newspaper shop, like, still handcuffed, gets, a, gets cigar, a cigar, gives some cigars to some kids, oh, so and just keeps smoking it. Then the cop takes it out of his mouth, puts it on the table, Charlie Chaplin picks takes it, it back, back up. up. Yeah. He meets, he meets her officially in the police car, uh, and they're being driven off. And I forget what happens exactly. She, like, starts crying in the cop. And Charlie Chaplin tries to, like, calm things down. And then they hit a bump and they all fall out of the And then, like, she jumps off and, you know. (laughs) Yeah, they all fall. And then Charlie Chaplin, like, knocks the cop. We don't need to go beat for beat. They are on the run. They're free. They're on the run together. While we're on here, this is the first time we hear the other theme that's in this movie a lot. Which Mm. is the love theme between Mm. the tramp and this girl. (laughs) No, no. Okay, wait. Um, um, So, straight up. Because... Uh, I don't know when this song was released, but you know the the fucking smile, though your heart is breaking, smile even when oh, it's yeah, breaking, yeah, yeah. when there are clouds in yeah. the sky, you and I. That's their love theme, just straight up. It's the orchestral version of that. And I don't know which came first, this movie or that song, because one of them is ripping off the other, and I want to know which is which. <laughs> shit, I forgot some of the shit I wrote in here. I just want to go go back real quick to the, the, the dad dying, because what I wrote down is, damn, dad's hella dead. And then my next note is, double damn, the kids are gone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, uh, while we're here, I think, uh, I want to talk about how Charlie Chaplin physically frames himself. Mm. Right? Because, like, so much of his physical comedy is, he has, like, a walk where he sticks his feet out. What's, it's like the opposite of pigeon toe. Yeah, the, uh, he's like, he's got his clown feet. He looks like a penguin. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that is, like, it's, just, it's, it's, it's intentional. Um. Dick Van Dyke came after. I well, okay. Dick Van Dyke is chaplaining then. Yeah, um, I'm but just like saying. he's he wears giant pants mm-hmm. that make his legs look like they take up sixty percent of his body. Yeah, and then he's got and like then, a huge shirt where it's, the short sleeves yeah. go beyond his elbow. And his arms look so impossibly short and yeah. like frail and weak. And he waddles around like a penguin, twirling his cane around. And yeah, shit. and he knows um, that he like 
is short because I'm pretty Charlie Chaplin was short, right? Yeah, like, the guy uh, looks short, like five six. I mean, five, you know, five. it's the, it's deceptive. I know it's like partially his wardrobe makes him look shorter than he is, but even like next to the girl, he was like the same height as her. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, it's all about like this caricature that he creates for himself is both like like through space, the way he moves, the way he just stands, <laughs> the way he looks. He was five five. But he was five. <laughs> no, he was five five, but. <laughs> When I googled this, you want to know the next person that came up under people also search for uh, who, for height? Who? Guess. Is it Tom Cruise? No. Tom Holland? No. Is it a Tom? No. Damn. <laughs> I don't think you're on the right track. Shaq. No. Oh. You're definitely not on the right track. Just for clarification, the, next per- the first person that comes up after you search Charlie Chaplin's height that people also search for is Adolf Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out Hitler was taller than me, which I don't know how to feel about that. That's a weird thing to think about. I'm just saying. Um, Like, if you were... You know that scene in Indiana Jones where he faces... Wait! That means Indiana Jones is wrong because in Indiana Jones, Hitler's towering over Indy, but Harrison Ford's like six foot tall. When the fuck is Hitler in... The third movie. In the third Indiana Jones... I don't remember that. Indiana Jones shakes Hitler's hand <laughs> because he's like dressing, he's like disguised as a Nazi. So in order to not get found out, he shakes Hitler's hand. And then Hitler make, puts a signature in like Indiana Jones's like adventure book, and then closes it, gives it back to Indy. But like in that scene, Indiana Jones like is like a foot shorter than Hitler. It's, it's you know, it's I know it's larger than life figure, but like I know it's like yeah. Um, I'm just saying it's it's not Indiana Jones isn't historically accurate, guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Damn, um, be better. Hopefully, the new movie fixes that. Gosh. Uh, yeah. Oh, the house scene. So there's a scene oh. where Charlie Chaplin and this woman fantasize about living in a house together. He just when he commands the cow <laughs> just to start milking. Do you know how they do that with the cow? I, I, there was almost definitely a hose running. Oh, down okay, they, yeah, yeah. Because like, it just attached. looks like an actual. I think that was just an actual cow. It was an actual cow. They just have yeah. an actual fucking. They just cow have like a hose. Because if you notice, they hide the rear end so they have space yeah, to put like yeah, the hose yeah, go down. Yeah. And also, like, hopefully they treated that cow well, but this was before, like... No fucking way that cow got treated well. There's a good chance that... You know how she cooks a steak later on in the movie? (laughs) Uh, That was a ham, dog. That was a ham? No, she cooks a steak. In the dream sequence, she's cooking a steak in the same scene! (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. Because, like, well, animal laws for movies weren't invented until after the year 1980. So, you know... Oh, God. Well, you know, is that because, like, uh, Friday the 13th released in 1980. They killed that snake. No, I know. Well, that's, yeah. Uh, but that, no, that cow did not get treated right. It probably um, It probably got eaten. <laughs> which, I mean, so do most cows. We're, we're in our usual flow now. Yeah, we're um, So, the, the rest of this movie is just these two people trying to find a life and find yeah. happiness. Well, and while there are some uncomfortable things, I do think this movie is, like, Overall, extremely positive in the idea if it's two people refusing to be beaten down yeah. by a city and a society that is determined to beat them into submission. Uh, like, we can make fun of his incompetence, but it kind of, like, is his form of rebellion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing is, is like, the thing that's interesting is everything that gets in Charlie Chaplin's way is industry. But mm-hmm. everything that gets in industry's way is it's Charlie, Charlie Chaplin. Chaplin. Right? Like it's like <laughs> they they act as like complete antitheses of each, antitheses? antitheses antitheses of each other, right? And yeah. it's like very clearly like this dude hated industry. He hated mm-hmm. modern times. Yeah, I mean you know, he's a he's a communist. Yeah, 
The Great Dictator, which I haven't seen. I haven't you've seen, seen the either. monologue, though, right? I haven't seen the monologue. Oh. Well, because I want to watch the whole movie, is the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched it in a class at some point. Yeah. Because, you know, the dude, the dude was, like, heavily polit- political. I, oh, we'll, absolutely. We'll, we'll watch The Great Dictator he, it's one day. It's interesting. He uses comedy in this... He uses comedy for commentary the same way horror uses... Because, like, the way horror does uses commentary is the... Uh, not necessarily the antagonist, but the obstruction, like, the thing that is... Mm-hmm. The, the the thing the that thing is that, that stops the protagonist from getting what they need. The thing that causes fear. Yes, the thing that causes fear is almost always ninety nine percent of the time it is a social commentary. But like the reason Daniel Kaluuya can't escape this white family is because of like they want to be like this like fucking magical version they have of their heads of like the black experience. You know mm-hmm. they want to experience. You know it's the, it's always like about this commentary and the way that it acts as the obstruction. Mm-hmm. That was a fucking weird ass detour. I went yeah, on, I, well, you know, I, I like, I get it. Like, but I also think, in terms of like the political political commentary in comedy, in comedy, right, yeah. what in Step Brothers, it, it's <laughs> no, but like no, in this specific com- comedy, right? There isn't a lot of like in your face. This is bad, mm-hmm. right? Everything that happens that we like, we know is bad. And we know that it doesn't like is funny. Mm-hmm. Like it's funny that he keeps trying to screw in the holes because he does it all the time yeah right? and that he goes not... insane because yeah, of it yeah. yeah and it's funny that he accidentally leads a common, uh, communist riot yeah um, and everything that happens is basically comedic but what I think is interesting is the emotional moments are not of sadness but of joy and yeah. not like comedic joy of like these people who literally refuse to be beaten down every time it's like it's all good we're just gonna keep going yeah and that's how the movie ends which we'll get to um we should keep moving with the movie. The department like, store scene. We gotta, we gotta go through it. We the gotta, department store scene is so goddamn good. It might be one of the best parts of the movie. It if not the best. Probably movie. is. I my favorite part is the end. The singing. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, the singing is great. The singing right before he sings is not great. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about because I want to talk to you about the scene because I looked it up. Yeah. Uh, and it's really interesting. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. But know. the department store scene is uh, Charlie Chaplin gets a job at a department store. Um, as a security night guard, and he brings this girl in, and um, they go to the toy department, uh, and they start roller skating. And this scene, this is a famous scene. Like you, uh, you've seen this scene almost. Maybe, definitely. maybe not. Like not. Uh, okay, not. We, to... We've seen it because we of like the circles we go in. But in a, a certain set of people, this scene is famous. And at the time, this scene was like holy shit. It's legendary. Yeah. It's um, maybe other than like the Great Dictator, probably one of the most famous Charlie Chaplin scenes. Probably. Yeah. Um, there's a few other ones like uh, Gold Rush has a few iconic. Gold Rush. Yeah. And um, also like the kid. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the, like, the trope of um, someone looking at someone and they turn into a piece of chicken or something? Yeah. That's Charlie Chaplin. Is that Charlie Chaplin? <laughs> <It's>, dude, <laughs> dude, dude, you don't even know. They turn, no, what, you, did they turn a person yeah, into a chicken? <laughs> no, you have to watch that scene, dude. It's so fucking Wait, do fun. do they even fade it or does it just cut, cut and no, he's a chicken? No, and he's like, and it's a giant cooked fucking, it's like a soup. Oh my! It's a suit. Yeah, dude. It's not even like no, a chicken. No, he runs around <laughs> in his fucking. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, oh, <laughs> that's wild. Oh, it's so fucking funny. But this scene, which is another really iconic scene, um, they're roller skating, and Charlie Chaplin shows off the tramp. Right, we'll call him the tramp. Shows off his rolling skating skills to this girl, and he's like, "Look, I can even do it blindfolded." blindfolded yeah. And right behind him is a railing, uh, a broken railing. And he's just doing these stunts, twirling around. And there's a pit right yeah, there, like, like a deep ass and pit. It is 
shockingly realistic. Yeah. Like, you fully believe. It's like, it's it could have been a legit stunt. You yeah, know, and he, like, he'll, like, get to a point where it'll be, like, he'll be skating backwards, right? And then uh-huh. he almost reaches the edge and then makes, a like, a pinpoint yeah, to right like, as he reaches like, the edge. You're like, oh, my God. Oh my I know, God. like, even if it's, you know how it was done, you're, like, yeah. I have pins on knees, pins on knees, yeah, right? You know? Yeah, it's just, like, it's so daring, death-defying. And the way they did it, is so simple. Yeah. We're coming back to matte paintings right It's now. just a matte painting. Just a, they yeah. just painted... I, like, look this scene up. You Watch, there's, there's a Corridor Crew video that goes in-depth into it. Yeah. Um, but if like, you just look Corridor Crew, Charlie Chaplin, I'm sure you'll find it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Like, I would, like, just go watch it right now. Like, um... If you want to know about, like, early film technological revolution, mm-hmm. this is that. Yeah, this is... Like, it's, it's that thing we were talking about before, which is before we had the technology and we had all, like, the basic ways of doing it, the way people did stuff like this is they just came up with clever one-shot solutions. Yeah. Just paint on the floor and no one's going to realize that it's not, like, a real thing. Yeah, And exactly. it works. And also, he's a great skater. Oh, he is, yeah. And it's so funny, because the girl's trying to get to him, trying to get him to stop, and then as soon as he takes the blindfold off and sees the club, he's, he's like... a terrible <laughs> yeah. skater, and he almost falls, yeah. I mean, it's the thing, is, like, you know, you had, back in the day before CG, mm-hmm. and even, like, before you could, like, cut through, mm-hmm. even before you could draw, because, like, Star Wars, like, a lot of it's miniatures, but they also drew on the filament, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Before you, they figured out that, everything that you see had to be captured in camera in that moment, right? Yep. You couldn't, there's no such thing as going in post. There's actually, actually, that's not true. There's one scene where there's, like, a visual effect shot in this movie. I don't know if you caught it. There's a bit, Charlie Chaplin, early on in the movie, He's in the factory. He's going to the bathroom, and he stops to have a smoke break. Oh, you're talking about the and the, the and the screen of yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the CEO of the company or whatever, mm-hmm. the manager or whatever yeah, yeah. you want to call it. It just goes <laughs> right there, like yeah, yeah. in front of. By him, the way, it's horrifying like, that there's a giant screen I, that, in the I, bathroom. I jumped off of my chair. I, I got like, jump scared. Yeah. I'm just saying that's like that's some post-apocalyptic. No, I know, but like right? for me, it was like, yeah, oh my yeah, god, yeah, 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 yeah. But like he happens and he's like, get back to work. You know, it's like, but the way that they probably did that, I'm assuming, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You just take the uh, the film you're using. Take a little exacto knife. There's no way. Cut a little square. There's no way. You Why wouldn't a, you just project it? You would. Because uh, it's not a projected. It would. You'd be able to tell if it's projected. It's the edges are. I might have to watch it again. I don't think it's projected though. That would be. I feel like that would. But you know how time consuming that would be. I mean, the whole process of editing at the time was was hor- Yeah, you like get you, like the guy with the cigarette in the cloudy room, and he's like, "Oh, you're this. literally cutting." Well, like, like that's the thing. Yeah, you're using like if you ever watch an old movie and you see a little like as the film is going, you see like a red little. Mm-hmm. It's because the guy who was smoking a cigarette and a bit of ash dropped on the film. <laughs> yeah, it happens like, all the time. No, like they. It's insane to think that someone literally went in there with like a pair of scissors. Yeah, scissors, and, tape, glue and, like, for what ten hours per day. Like he'd be yeah. in there for like a month. Yeah, just cutting up each frame. Of a film. Well, it's one of the reasons why people attribute the one take to early cinema because there were mm. much less cuts. Because, like, if you think about, imagine, you know, if you're doing like a Liam Neeson taken fight scene by using that kind of thing, mm. you'd have to cut every other frame and like uh, yeah, you do yeah. one takes because it's easy mm-hmm. because otherwise your editor is gonna die. Yeah, is yeah. going to actually like die. <laughs> you know, like he is going to decompose in that room. He's yeah, gonna yeah, die yeah, of yeah, old yeah. age. It's and that. That's a huge reason why, like, I think it's so interesting that you just do everything you can in the camera. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
And it works. There's no such thing as post-production. Yeah. Um, you can't fix it in post. You fix yeah. it now. I want to start picking up. We, we got to get, get Yeah, let's yeah, um, get moving. Uh, I'm going to blow through the next sequence after the department store. The, in the department store, there's another scene where like a it's going to get robbed. Yeah. But then he sees one of his old factory workers and they like they have get a friendship. drunk as hell. Yeah, he, he gets accidentally drunk by shooting um, a barrel of rum. Uh, like, like, yeah, and it right just in pours mouth. into his mouth. Yeah. Um, and then there's a scene where he gets another job at the factory as an assistant to yeah. a technician. Well, this is after he gets arrested again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, well, oh, he gets arrested again, and then... Oh, yeah, he gets arrested. No. Yeah, because yeah, he's in the department. He sleeps in the department store. He gets pushed out. He gets arrested. Ten, it says, like, ten days later, and then his, like, the girl is waiting for him outside the police department. Yeah. He, works as, he, works as, uh, he works as a factory worker. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, we're skipping past the house. Because while he was in prison, she built a house. Remember, oh and yeah, it's yeah, super yeah, broken. yeah! There's a broken ass house. Yeah, he like um, leans on a door. He like flips yeah, back into yeah. the water. More, 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 um, tra- more chaplaining. Yeah, more, more physical comedy. Bean hits him in the head twice. Yeah. Chair falls through, through the, the floor. <laughs> he like cartoonish sandwich. Oh yeah, like, like with the bread that's like a mile thick. Yeah, just just giant fucking bread. Yeah. Um, um, and then he he the factories reopen or more factories open yeah he like reads a newspaper it says uh strike has ended factories reopen he's like <sighs> finally work Runs yeah off. he goes in he gets a job as a fact technician's assistant we get a whole sequence that's pretty funny yeah with um, like the german guy is he german i just assumed he was i read his dialogue in a german accent <laughs> because he has a big old mustache i mean i don't know man maybe well it said he's a, like an <laughs> engineer and he's like a big old mustache <laughs> with the round glasses so i just imagined he was like geppetto or my something. favorite is when he gets stuck in the gears and then the lunch break starts. Oh yeah, and he's got to feed the guy. <laughs> so he feeds him, um, and then they go back on strike, and he he's out of a job again. And then he gets arrested because uh, a cop keeps scaring him, and then he he sits on a wooden beam that launches a brick at the cop's head. Oh yeah, and he gets arrested again. But Bro, while this guy gets arrested oh, all the time. Yeah, while he's in jail, what I think is so interesting to me is the next scene. Um, it reminded me of West Side Story because mm. she's singing and dancing in the street right after he gets arrested. Oh, and I was like, oh, that's like, yeah, yeah. that's like, what's that story? Yeah, yeah. The the uh, the reprise of I Feel Pretty at the end at the beginning of Act Two. Yeah. Um. Oh my god. That happens like right after uh, Leonardo's uh, death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spoilers after. for that movie, but you've seen it. God damn it, man! If you don't know the story of Romeo and Juliet, I'm, I, I don't know, dude. I don't know, man. <laughs> read a book. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet specifically. Read that book. Yeah. Uh. But then she gets a job at a club. And when he gets out of prison, he gets hired at that... Uh, it's a restaurant. Yeah. And he gets hired as a waiter. And then we get a waiter sequence, which is pretty funny. Um, yeah. You know, it's, he, he, like, he's like trying to get a dude to duck. Yeah. It, and the duck gets like stabbed on the chandelier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of the... like The reason why we're kind of blowing through this part is because we've talked about all of the strengths yeah, exactly. of what this stuff this, is. This is like, we're not trying to like recap the movie. We're trying to talk about moments of the movie that are important. Yeah, yeah. You like, know, everything, everything that uh, Charlie Chaplin does really well, he does really well through all of these sequences. Yeah, you should watch the movie. It's, yeah, a, it's like, a quick watch. It's yeah, an hour 30. Yeah, it's really... It's breezy. Um, but my favorite scene is the final um, where he has to sing on stage um and she he's supposed to um she writes the uh she writes the lyrics of the song on his cuff because he can't remember them but when he does his opening he starts dancing and he shoots both of his cuffs off the yeah, stage he does one of like those broadway yeah. slides where you like flick mm-hmm. your arms out and like you just watch both of the pieces of yeah. paper go, and then right out of his he thing. starts singing the song and you know what it's about mm-hmm. you just know yeah because he's a physical yeah and performer. he's singing it in another language you sing i think like uh 
French or Italian. I'm you gonna... want to know what's fun? Is it neither? Is it's it both? It's both. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it is. He is singing nonsense. <laughs> is he fucking minioning? Yeah, no, literally. He's he's just... He's, I looked this up. He's singing gibberish. <laughs> and I'm like, of course he is. Because yeah. he doesn't need the dialogue. Yeah. He's he's such a talented... And it's like, he's killing it. He's killing it. He's also singing it himself. That is Charlie Chaplin's voice. I, you can tell, yeah. Um... And he's like, <laughs> he's like the motor de la <laughs> Yeah. Scotiero, como tiero. Yeah. Like, and he's fucking, he gives these like, and it's much, it's very different to his usual like tramp performances. He's giving these very specific kind of tight movements. Well, it's interesting because it's not like, it's it's not Charlie Chaplin performing it. It's the tramp performing it. Yeah, you it's can the tramp. Tell. Yeah. It's because Charlie Chaplin's performing as the tramp. And, and the, the tramp, tramp is performing, performing as, it's, it's as like, a, I'm a dude playing a dude, dude pretending to be, be another dude. Um, but yeah, oh, he gives that. and he gives this amazing performance. And you can like he's killing the audience. I'm laughing super hard. I'm like, the singing is great. And like, cause I, I was curious, I looked it up right after. I'm like, of course it's nothing. He's not saying anything. Yeah, I mean, it but makes he sense. Is. He is. It's a song about an affair. Yeah, well, the thing is, is like he's saying nothing vocally, but Charlie Chaplin never says anything vocally. Yeah, he doesn't. Like, he's except thing. for when he gives one of the greatest monologues. Well, of all I time. mean, like the Tramp specifically. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, though he is a like he's gotten to that point, and like a lot of you have a lot of masterful visual storytellers who can like do the whole storytelling without speaking a single word. You mm-hmm. got people like you know Buster Keaton. We already talked about him, mm-hmm. but also like even Jackie Chan. You know he talks in his movies, but a lot of times you don't watch his movies for the dialogue. Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan, ne- like didn't really know English. English yeah. when he first did Forty Eight Hours. Yeah, did did, did, no, did no, no, not no, Forty Eight Hours. Rush Hour. Rush Hour. Forty Eight Hours is the is a better movie. Do you ever watch? There's like a there's there's a blooper. I forget which Jackie Chan movie, but he's supposed to like come out oh, from the, behind the, the cheese. Thing. Cheese, yeah. And he points the gun <laughs> and he goes cheese, and then everyone just starts laughing. He goes like what what what? And they're like freeze. It goes oh freeze. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, so funny. He, I mean, there's some like funny moments, but it is it's his physical yeah. performance. There's like a scene. In, I watched Rush Hour, Rush Hour for the first time recently. It's so, so good. Okay, it's fine. The second one is better. I, Rush I, Hour 2 is better. Okay. Rush Hour 3 sucks. Uh, okay. Well, I won't watch Rush Hour 3. But we're trying to push the pot over, and he keeps... Oh, and he keeps, like, he keeps it. stopping it. Yeah. And then it ends with it just getting shot, and it fucking explodes. And yeah. he's like, well, fuck me, I guess. I mean, and there's, like, there's one fight scene that's one of my favorites. I forget which movie it's from, mm-hmm. where he's in the middle of Chinatown, and he's trying to fight these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he, like, falls through this um, awning. And mm-hmm. his clothes get torn off, and he's naked, <laughs> butt ass nude. But the thing is, his movie's PG thirteen, so he can't show his dong. So the whole fight scene, he's fighting these guys, and he has this massive golden plate that he keeps just trying. His whole objective is to keep it on his dick, and he's just fighting these guys. Flipping, he like flips it up. The camera moves as he blocks a guy with the thing, and then it moves back to his dick. And he's just like fighting these guys, constantly trying to protect his like mm-hmm. douche. And he's like, oh, that's great. Yeah, and like. Non-vocal storytelling starts with silent film. Yeah, exactly. Up. The opening scene to Up is a silent film. Yeah, it is, really. It's a great silent film. It's one of the best, I Um, would argue. Do-do-do-do. It is, it is, like... If that was just the movie, it would be a better movie. That part of the movie makes the movie. The movie is a good movie. It's, it's But that's like, it's like when you talk about Up, you think about that scene. Yeah, that's, that's... You think about that scene and that freaking bird. like, (laughs) Yeah. The marketable plushie. Yeah. Um, this is good audio. The fact that we both just went... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but that's that's like the final comedic sequence. And then the last thing that happens... They, it's really hopeful. Yeah. They both seem to have these jobs and they get set up. But because she's working at a public restaurant, this girl who's, uh, 
you know, wanted by the police for vagrancy and for, um, for you know... For escaping, quote, escaping juvenile officers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she, they try to arrest her and they try to cut her out. So they both escape and they have to and go... Charlie Chaplin pulls the most baller move as they're oh, running out. Dude, He's just knocking I, over every chair behind yeah, him. What did I, what did I write? Because I also took notes on that. Um, oh yeah, Rose tipping over all the chairs. Yeah, it's great. Well, and he does it so quick. Like one of the great things about Charlie Chaplin's performance, I meant to talk about this earlier. Um, cameras, so back then, right? The cameras didn't like automatically run at like a certain speed. Mm-hmm. You had, they were the crank cameras. You want the footage to run faster? You don't move faster. You crank faster. You go, you go, you know. <laughs> so that's the reason why his actions in that movie in real time are performed much slower than we see because he's cranking them super fast. Yeah, and that's yeah. one of the reasons why Charlie Chaplin has that look of being super quick. He's not that quick. He is quick. He's not that quick. Mm-hmm. The camera's just moving yeah, really fast. Yeah, you can fast. tell it's sped up. It's, yeah. it's great. Um, and he also, he cranks it specifically like if you have a scene where he needs to move slow and then move fast really quickly, the camera's cranking slow mm-hmm. and then like you can tell like he told, as the director, he's like, all right, when I hit this beat, crank much faster mm-hmm. and it's great like the way I, I almost kind of wish cameras still work like that or if like mm-hmm. I could find a camera that I could figure out how to program it like that because the way that you can just speed up and slow down mm-hmm. time is really unique to the silent film era and that yeah, hasn't yeah. really been done well you can do it I mean you know you can like, like Chris Nolan you know the Benny Hill yeah like the I mean, uh, like, the only thing that I think comes close, and I don't think it, like, is the same thing I'm talking about, is, like, the clips I've seen from Tenet, right? You know, like... I've seen Tenet. All I know is that there's, like, weird stuff with time, and, like, different parts of the image slow down, and then it speeds up, mm-hmm. but that's done digitally. Like, what I'm talking about is, like, the crank... I don't know. There's something about it that I want to, like... Yeah, that's... I, I think it's interesting. Um, let's, let's wrap this up with this end scene. But they, they have to go on the run and leave the city. Yeah. And they... She starts crying. He's like, hey, man, it's okay. We're just going to keep yeah. doing what we've been doing. And they walk off into the fucking sunset. Classic. And it's it's just like, it's. I think the last thing I wrote was the adversity of the human spirit. Because mm. that's that, that's kind of what it is. It's you the, know, those, those TikTok like, yeah, scrolling no, things. Like, yeah, I think it, but I it kind of is that. The bells are ringing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's what it is. I think, I think that's kind of what it's about, which is. It is the hopeful end of a time that was really bleak. Yeah. And like apocalyptic in nature of like, I mean, maybe not apocalyptic, but. It wasn't apocalyptic, but well, but like, that was the time when like, we talk about how. Dystopian in nature. Dystopian, yeah. Like people were packed into like small houses working in hellish factories. Children had to work. Well, it was that weird time in automation, right? Where like things were only mostly automated. You Mm -hmm. still needed a lot of humans working these shitty ass jobs. Yeah. And and not getting any pay for it. And it like creates the whole arc of how the middle class would rise and fall. It wasn't even the middle class. That wasn't the middle class is, well, that's the working class. That's what, oh yeah. The working class would rise and fall. Like how it would like build until like they were necessary and then automation would eventually lead to them being screwed, but they had yeah. built it so they, they needed all of this stuff. And uh, it, it exists as part of that. And I think it's such a hopeful version of that. Yeah. Um, God. Yeah. It's a great movie. It's a very, it, and it makes you think, right? Because like, mm-hmm. you know, Chaplin doesn't explicitly say what's right and wrong. You know, he mm-hmm. like lets you, and also you could argue that like, it's the opposite message. Cause like a lot of times when Chaplin's put out of work, it's cause they're striking again. Right. Yeah. And he like, the tramp, the character sighs at the strike. He actively doesn't like the strike. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, it's, it, there is some definitely some. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to it. Yeah, 
Um, and I think there's a lot of open interpretation. For me, the thing that sells it is that the opening shot is a bunch of lambs oh, it's, it's running sheep. into a pen, yeah. followed by a bunch of people going to a factory at the same shot. And it's, that's just... I literally... The first note is sheeple. It's yeah. great, yeah. Um, and that is Modern Times, a yeah. great movie that you should watch. I know we got into a lot of the weeds of what happens, but it's still definitely worth watching. We omitted enough to the point where if you watched it, there's there's a lot you can like point like pick out. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are people that have like analyzed this movie to hell, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is one of these movies that we're going to talk about in the classics are going to be ones that have been talked to death. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we're still going to talk about them. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Well, and some of them are like different levels of talk to death. You know, we got just just some spoilers. We got The Godfather in there. We got Goodfellas. We in got there. The Shining. Yeah, The Shining's all, one of the all most talk talked to death, about. But you know, like yeah. there's definitely some some dark horse picks. Yeah. Some um. Like Mean Girls, <laughs> Mean Girl. We're gonna talk about Mean Girls. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be great. Um, um, no, it's it's this is gonna be th- this yeah. season. We have like a theme, and I'm excited. It's mm-hmm. not just yeah. whatever we're, movie we're we feel up, like, and uh, leading up right into the Oscars, and then after that, we'll have a little bit of talk about what we think. Uh, generally, I believe we're both not huge fans of the Academy. The, yeah, the yeah. Academy, and just generally how the Oscars work. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have like a little bonus episode that's like Oscars after yeah. show. Maybe we'll get a slap 2.0. Who knows? Oh, well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, um. And yeah, this has been Critically Loud. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you all next week. With Casablanca. If you want, oh wait, if you want to watch the movie before we talk about yes, it, we're, we're, we're yeah. talking about Casablanca, which yeah. is a movie you should absolutely watch before listening to the episode. Yes, watch Casablanca. It's great and good and deserves to be watched. With a, um, what? Like, before, we'll, you need to watch it before you know what the plot is, without any spoilers. Yeah, exactly. It is a movie that deserves That's a that. movie you, f- you fucking sit down, you sit your ass on a couch, mm-hmm. you have a cup of tea or coffee or something, and you just watch a movie. Yeah. Um, and now, for real this time, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Adios, muchachos.